Hello, everybody. We're back for another episode of the Friday Night Mike's podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my sick co-host, Sarah. <laughs> hey, guys. So, yeah, Michael was sick last week, and I guess it takes like a week for sickness to travel into Canada, so now I have it. <laughs> yeah, well, I have relatives on my other podcast, my tennis podcast, uh, who have been sick the last week, so I had to go solo on that podcast so yeah i mean it's that time of the year right what are you gonna do it it just happens and everyone gets sick and i've been sick twice this year i hate it and it really wreaks havoc on on recording a podcast because nobody wants to hear you you know hacking and coughing into a microphone (laughs) and and barely able to talk so uh, unfortunately when that happens you know you can't do much about it you just gotta you gotta take a week off you gotta take off you know however much time is necessary to recover because otherwise the recordings aren't going to be any good and and you know you're not going to want to speak into a microphone you don't feel good so what we're going to try and do is is get through this as quickly as possible uh just so that you know sarah can go crawl into an ice bath (laughs) pretty much so uh so without further ado let's jump into this episode um it's uh, Friday Night Lights, Season 2, Episode 7, titled Pantherama. It sure is. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you a question. What, do you, what did you think of this episode in general? It might be my least favorite episode. <laughs> there are some problems with this episode, I will say. There are, Cringy it, problems. <laughs> there, yeah, there, it's not a bad episode. Bad, bad. It's just... You know, not a lot happens this week in the grand it, scheme of things. It's and, It feels like they're spinning the wheels. And what does happen, you just want to smother people with the pillow to make them stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, how do you mean? Exactly. Okay, so, all right, let's just jump into it. What are you referring to? What What are these crazy Julie, 100%. Okay. She so, plays the victim like she's the one that got dumped and, you know, self-deprecating, pity me, bullshit. And I just want to push her into a locker <laughs> so much. Ooh, boy. Got some, yeah, some I'd be real, the bully. <laughs> some real anger there. She whiz. Okay. I'm sure if Tyra um, had to listen to that crap that she was spewing, she'd do the same thing. Well, okay. I mean, I understand, you know, that, that it's not fun. Right. Uh, look, I, I get I get her part, you know, despite having done wrong, you know, she has recognized her mistake. She's apologized for it. So that's good. Um, and if there were any slight hopes in her mind that they would get back together, of course, they've been dashed. And rightfully so. Look, I mean, Matt has the right to move on. He has the right to be pissed. You know, there's nothing wrong uh, with him 
um, not wanting to get back together and wanting to you know pursue somebody else. That's certainly his prerogative. I understand her pain. I understand seeing it um, and and not wanting to be confronted with that. But unfortunately, that's the reality of the situation. He's appears to be dating somebody else. And, you know, she has to, to bear witness to that in the hallways. And, of course, you know, if you just broke up with somebody or whatever, however it went down, and you saw that person involved in some fairly heavy PDA in the hallways, you know, yeah, it's not fun. Although I take your opinion, uh, and I totally agree <laughs> with what you're saying. You know, she doesn't have the right to be all pity me, pity me, because, you know, she brought this on herself in a lot of ways. So, I mean, I'm just saying I, I understand her point of view, but at the same time, I agree with what you're saying. She doesn't, and also, like, yeah. her description of Matt's new girlfriend, she's the perfect cheerleader with the quarterback. And, like, you're blonde and prettier than her. Like, you're describing yourself when you're speaking about her, okay? <laughs> she's got dark hair, she's kind of scrawny, and she's weird. And, like, she's not perfect cheerleader. Like, you're just... Well, she's projecting. Pro- yeah, let's say it. she's projecting. You're right. You know, she sees this per- this girl with Matt, and she just assumes that it's uh, rally. Well, I mean, because I mean, the girl is a cheerleader, so that that is correct. You know, she is a, she is a cheerleader. Um, however, she's making assumptions without knowing this girl whatsoever. She has no basis to make those assumptions. But then again, that's what a that's what someone young does. You know. She doesn't need the proof. She just is hurt and and wants to be vicious about it because it makes her feel better. You know? Yeah, and I know the next step is like this guy, like the second he came on screen, this new teacher of hers, and like, oh, I know where this is going. She has someone to look up to and has a new crush. What a shock, an older guy. See a pattern here. Oh, next episode, he's going to be married and you're going to find that out and be more mopey and we're going to have to listen to it. And... <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you got an axe to grind here, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Just a little. <laughs> well, look, I mean, okay. So. Hmm. Like, I've heard Julie bitch for too long. I need the old Julie back. I'm getting to the point where I can't let her back into, you know, my good graces anymore. <laughs> oh, look, I am of the same mind. I, I get it. Um, although I understand the need to shake up her perfection yeah. you know it, i get it you know she needs to come across as flawed uh, we talked about uh this before you know about how you know there have been other characters uh specifically i think we mentioned um rory in this, the first season of gilmore girls about they were basically the same character in a yeah. lot of ways and they had to shake up her character spoiler warning um and so we saw that start to come into play in season two and season three, especially, you know, this very quiet, very almost perfect character uh, began to show flaws and it hurts when you see the flaws because it makes you rethink the character a little bit, but it also adds dimension to them because they aren't perfect. And so this change is so abrupt. I mean, I think that's why I have the problem with it. Like, that Rory took several seasons to, you know, have these imperfections and that made sense where Julie is just, we come back and suddenly she's a jerk. 
Yeah, we left season one and we went right into season two. And from the episode, first episode, it was boom, she has a major crush on the Swede. Yeah. And Matt, she wasn't barely talking to Matt, didn't seem to want to hang out with him very much because we had a little bit of a time jump. I think it was what, like something like four months later, five months later. It had to be eight uh, months. Or maybe it was eight months. Pregnancy. Right. That's right. Right. So it had been a while. So obviously this wasn't just an overnight situation that happened. We just didn't get to see the eventual breakdown of their relationship over time and her eventually go from the, the good Julie to the kind of snotty, te- you know, treating her mother uh, in a somewhat disdainful way. Uh, Privileged kind of- white girl. <laughs> Typical. Right, it, it doesn't. It doesn't set a good example. No, it doesn't. Um, but your point is well taken, and I definitely agree with it. I understand. Uh, she's not coming across really well at the moment. Um, she's kind of drowning in her own, um, I guess I don't know her own. Um, what's the one I'm looking for here? Just self-deprecation. The, yeah, she she's just totally absorbed, self-absorbed in her own, you know, daily minutia of her of her life uh, in terms of the lack of having Matt in it. You yeah, know, she's laying in bed and she's like, "I'm not hungry. I'm I'm moping." <laughs> you know, I mean, granted, you know, that's something teenagers do. We all did it, you know, to a certain extent, I think, but. Um, yeah, it's just it's not work. It doesn't work well for her. It doesn't look good on her character. You know, it's just not it's not a good look for her. Yeah, can't uh, handle it. Yeah. So let's get into Mr. Barnett a little bit. I agree. The moment he came on screen, the first time I ever saw this episode, I thought the exact same thing you did, which was, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go again. Now, I, I didn't like I, I don't like this storyline because it feels contrived. It it's feels, so contrived. It feels hastily written. Uh, for whatever reason, is this doesn't feel like the normal Friday Night Lights where... Although, to be fair, we have been given introductions to characters that have just been kind of abrupt and not done in a very smooth way. Santiago was another character that was like that, where it was just like... We're just going to throw him right in and you've got to adjust to this new character on the fly... And more importantly, it was done in a way which just felt kind of like it felt contrived to. I remember the Santiago storyline. We talked about that where it it just didn't make any sense. It felt like they needed to get this character to a certain point or they needed, you know, uh, they needed to get these characters together. So it was just like, okay, we need to get this started like this right away. Oh, and she's going to pick Santiago up and she's going to put her money where her mouth is and you know, all that kind of thing, and it just felt contrived. And, and we're not emotionally invested in Santiago. We haven't seen him enough to feel, you know, emotions for him. Because, like, a line like, this is the first real bed I've ever slept in, if I had been more emotionally invested in you, it would have broken my heart, but I absolutely felt nothing. <laughs> just because I just don't feel like this character is going to be around for long, because he just feels so weirdly placed. Well... Another well, another reason is because his character doesn't feel very three dimensional yet. We don't know enough details about him as a person. I think that's the biggest problem right now. We we know that he's been in juvie a few times. We we also know, as we learn in this episode, that he's basically been you know, living by himself wherever he can find a place to sleep 
for quite some time. His uncle hasn't been around in almost a year, which I think was meant to make us feel kind of bad for him, which does, you know, he has, his uncle hasn't been around. Um, but that is, that would be more service to the character if we knew more about Santiago as a person. And it's not like he's been living on his own for 10, 11 months. He's been in juvie. He just got out. So he's right. only been really living on his own for like a week. <laughs> right, right. That's true. But, you know, who is he as a person? We don't know anything about him yet. And he's been on this show enough, at least in terms of episodes, that I would have hoped we get a little more details about him to make us care for him as a character. Look, we see that he works hard. It seems like he's willing to do just about anything and it's, it also seems like he is legitimately trying to turn over a new leaf. Those are all great things, yeah. but, but that's not enough. And this show keeps reminding us that he has a um, uh, violent past, that he's done some violent things, and I keep waiting for the moment that he's going to turn and we're going to see it. Like I don't feel like they're giving us anything to feel bound to, to feel motion for him. We're just feeling like we're on the edge of between a good person and a bad person. Well, and again, I think that's where the details matter. When you have a a hastily sketched character, uh, when you have a caricature, basically, if you don't get more details, get more three-dimensionality to a character, you have no reason to invest in them. Give you an example. Look at... uh, I never remember her name. The the uh, Riggins next door neighbor, the girl. Jackie. Jackie. You always remember that. I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, her character, we know so little about her. Now, granted, she isn't on the show very much. But even when she was on it in, in la- at the end of last season, in the last like third of the, of the uh, season, we didn't know almost anything about her. There was no reason for us to feel anything for her character except – in how he she affected Tim. That was it. Other than that, there was no reason to feel bad about her character. I mean, why would you feel why would you feel anything for her? Yeah, you wouldn't. And speaking and Bo, of her, yeah. like Tim this episode, I just wanted to push him out into the rain. <laughs> He's so broody and mopey. Him and Julie would have you know have a good time. <laughs> Go be in a broody, mopey club. <laughs> right. Um, I get seeing his brother, you know, essentially having a relationship, sleeping with the girl that he'd slept with and he wanted or wants to have a relationship with. You know, it, it's like he he um, he um and Julie are running the same exact uh, – running along the same exact track in this episode. You know, he has to bear witness to the same thing Julie has to bear witness to in the hallway. Except that he and Jackie broke up 10 months ago. He's had plenty of time to get the hell over it. (laughs) Right. That's true. You're right. But I'm just saying the the broad strokes of what Julie and uh, Riggins have to go through in this episode are the exact same thing. He has to see, you know, Jackie and his brother being all like house, uh, playing house together. Um, And then Julie has to see Matt and his his new girlfriend or whatever, you know, having this, you know, kissing sex fest. ed class in the middle of a hallway. <laughs> yeah, precisely. 
So yeah, it it kind (laughs) of, it's a lot of PDA (laughs) and, and she, uh, you know, she tries her best, I think, to kind of focus on, on writing and she appears to be, you know, a good writer and we know she reads a lot of books. So that makes sense. Um, Oh my God. I love the line where Eric is reading the article and he's like, Eric Taylor can't be read for, couldn't be reached for comment. I was in the bathroom. What is wrong with her? Like that doesn't count. <laughs> uh, like I like I like that she throws herself into you know writing these articles. I feel like it's a good path for her as a character, just because it makes sense for her as a, someone who reads so much. Uh, she would be definitely a good writer, and it appears like she has some talent. Now I want to say a little bit uh, something about Mr. Bernard Barnett here, even though I feel like the situation and the character and the plot are all contrived um what i do like about his character in at least this episode is that despite all of that i like that they didn't make his character appear to be interested in julie he's very neutral and he seems to be just trying to you know give her a break and you know be a good teacher like i like his character i just it's hard when you know what julie's gonna be doing well it's hard when you see the machinations of the plot right in front of your eyes yeah we know exactly why he's there we know what julie's going to do we also can see you know uh tammy she's uh, already concerned she already thinks this is this is bad from the get-go just because she walks into the class and they're sitting there together uh you know very innocently, really, but she already is her her warning, uh, you know, spider sense is already tingling, you know, from the moment she opens up that door and it sees oh, them yeah. together, and and she's already thinking bad things, um, which is a bit unfair. I understand as a parent, you know, that it's something to be aware of. I get it, but at the same time, you know, you would think, although Julie's been a lot less trustworthy lately, uh, I just feel like maybe she shouldn't have jumped right to a bad conclusion from the get-go. I, I don't know. Oh, she can probably see her daughter pining over Matt, and it's probably smart to think that she would be reaching out for somebody else to distract her. So you think that maybe Tammy's already aware of what this could lead to, at least on Julie's eyes? Uh, yeah, oh, okay. I think Tammy's very aware of what Julie's thinking. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, in that vein, I get it. I, I see. I see what you're saying. And it makes sense. Like, I think he's innocent. Oh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, he's, yeah. But I think Julie definitely has a different agenda. Right. I, I do. I think everything that he's thinking is all is innocent. I think he sees, you know, I'm sure he, you know, it, Julie's pretty, you know, but I don't think he sees. He's not blind. Right. But he's not He's not looking at her as any anything other than this is a student, someone who is uh, obviously – uh intelligent and talented as a writer and that's it and he's just doing his best to you know um encourage that talent and and you know push it along and and make it you know better you know that's what that's his job as a teacher and i think he's only trying to encourage her more to go in that direction yeah i I agree he's definitely a good guy i think um Let's talk a little bit about Smash in this episode. So it's been a while. 
It felt like it, it, it's been a while since we've had a Smash centric episode. It was last season, I think. And yeah, and he's kind of been a little MIA, except for the whole Smash versus Saracen thing that was going on early in the season. Uh, he's been a little absent from from the uh, season so far. What did you think about him in this episode and the, the storyline in general? I like it. I mean, it's very exactly what Smash would do. Um, and I understand where his mother's coming from, but I also understand, you know, he, it's his dream. Like, why not go for it if he's, you know, fit and ready to do it? I can see him wanting to follow his dream. I kind of side with Smash on this one. Well, I, I, okay, so I understand Smash's point of view, but I, I understand her point of view, which and, and the thing is, when you're when you're being recruited to go into college as an athlete, especially as a football player, if you're someone who is being logical as an athlete, even someone who's a really good athlete and is you know highly recruited, you want to make sure that you kind of have the best of both worlds. So you want to find a college that a has an incredible you know athletic um, program, especially in you know football, and you also want to find a school that is also uh, excels academically, and I think that's what she wants him to look for. And of course, if she had to choose between the athletics and the academics, she's going to go academics. And she brought up a good point, which is you know look at Jason Street. He had everything. You know he was ready to sign with Notre Dame and and just you know going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and then. You know, he gets paralyzed and Smash is like, that's never going to happen to me. But the problem is you don't know that. You never know when something like that could ever happen, you know. Yeah, you're not invincible. (laughs) No, and and I can tell you for – I can tell you uh, just because I follow, you know, recruiting uh, in football um, quite a bit. There are a lot of really, really great high school football players who go into college and flame out. You know, they, they never yeah. become what they were supposed to become coming out of high school. And if you put all your eggs in one basket, you know, and it's, it doesn't work out for you or you don't end up being as good as you think you are and you don't also, you know, if you don't also apply yourself academically, then ultimately what what do you do? You know, these guys get free rides in college. I mean, they don't have to pay anything. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And and so I see her point, which is, yes, I understand you want to go pro. I understand you have dreams. And he should certainly follow them. But he also needs to be aware that just because you have dreams doesn't mean you're going to actually achieve them. She's not doubting him or his talent or his dreams. She's looking at things realistically. Because if you don't do that, if you don't look at how things could be, then you're doing yourself a disservice and your future a disservice. Yeah, I completely agree. He needs to find a university that is you know, academically and athletically gifted, mm-hmm. not one that's just, you know, hey, here's an academic free ride, and we also have an athletic program, but hey, no one's ever been drafted in the last year. I mean, that's probably not the wisest thing for an athlete to go into. Right. And someone is a talent to smash. He's, he'll, he has offers coming left and right, so it's it's not like he has to commit himself right now but i think he needs to be more aware of the reality 
of the situation as opposed to looking at things only through the lens of this is my dream. This is what I want to do. I want to become a professional football player. This is what I got to do to get there and and just leave everything else uh, on the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a smash attitude. <laughs> um, let's uh, talk about Landry and Tyra, who had one single solitary scene together in this episode. And I was a little disappointed that, you know, even though they talked about what happened with Landry and his father burning the car, it just, I felt a little disappointed that there was no mention of the icy way their relationship ended. It was like, eh, you know. It's as if they parted on mutual terms and that's just not what happened. No, it, they didn't part on mutual terms. Landry was very hurt. And, and She ripped his heart out and stomped it into the rain. <laughs> right, right. So I just wish that at least a few lines which would have you know, paid attention to their relationship and, and how it ended. Or if she could have said something like, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry with the way we ended this, you know, um, I, I shouldn't have said those things I said to you or something just to give some kind of recognition to the way things went down, you know, and how bad, yeah, she, how exactly. bad she feels about it or something. Yeah, nope, none of that from Tyra. <laughs> Guess not. But Tyra and uh, um, Lila end up teaming up because Tammy says, you know what? You guys are going to help me out. You guys are going to help with this pantherama thing with, with the football players. And so I'm going to recruit you two uh, and you guys are going to go help me out and, and go, you know, come up with some kind of dance routine or whatever. So what do you think about this team up between those two? It seems like they get teamed up quite a bit. <laughs> but I love the line from Tammy when Lila's trying to get out of it. And she's like, you're not going to dare use Jesus Christ to get out of this, are you? <laughs> she's like, no, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, nice try. Nice try. Nice try. You're damn right you're not. <laughs> but yeah, and I love what they did. I mean, it was so... I'm glad there wasn't any drama in fighting. It was refreshing not to go down that path with them. They actually, you know, worked together and did something productive, even though it's exactly what Tyra would do. <laughs> I, like, I oh, love it. That was. Amazing. I love that she goes into the into the boys' locker room and she, I mean, she's not beating around the bush here. She's just like, you know, stroking this guy's chest and stomach and it's like. Yeah, you know, they're like they're like yes. putty in her hands. Oh, and she's got way more balls than any of them do. She is just one fierce thing to be reckoned with. Right, no doubt about that. Uh, it's something that that Lila could not and would not do. So you needed Tyra in this situation because she has no fear, and she'll she'll do what she's got to do in order to get you know something done and. She did exactly what she needed to do to get those players to jump on board. Yeah. I I love Tammy's face when the whole thing is happening. <laughs> the jaw that's like down to the floor, like I was expecting her hand to go to her face, be like, God, what did I do? <laughs> well, I think she thought that that Lila would have tempered anything that Tyra had come up with. It was a bit too risque. Uh which you would think. <laughs> 
considering the route that that Lila has been gone on, that she would be a little object or object to to that. But you didn't <laughs> see any of that. She she wasn't a, no, no objection whatsoever. No, like boy, I'm gonna sit back here. I'm gonna enjoy this. You know, I'm like like oh, I miss this. <laughs> you know, which which leads me to believe in in uh, I just. I think this whole thing with Lila is we talked about this early in the season, but I just feel like that whole that whole storyline just feels like a half-hearted and I'm just I'm not trying to be critical here. I just feel like it's more of a half-hearted attempt on her part as opposed to her really throwing herself into it. I mean, I don't know if that's just me. I mean, sometimes I feel like she's committed to changing her herself, but sometimes I also feel like either she's really struggling or maybe she doesn't really commit herself as much as she thinks he does. Because if you go back to that road trip where they went down Jason Street, and at the end of that episode, she's you know out there on the beach kissing both both of the guys, and it's like. Mm. You know that's something that the old Lila would have done. This is a new, the new Lila, but she's she's still doing you know that kind of thing. You know, she's religious when it benefits herself, but if it doesn't, then it doesn't seem to be priority for her. Yeah, and now you could just say that she's just a normal person who has their own faults, and even if she has yes. her to turn her life around, she still isn't perfect. And I guess you could just look at it from that point of view. But I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's something that she's fully committed to or she's still trying to navigate her way into uh, maybe be being more devout, I guess. So Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about okay, let's so let, let's um let's talk about Tyra and uh Tim Riggins. So Tim, Tim, Ugh, get, Tim, Tim, like Moby, just says I'm out of here. Leaves his brother's uh, their house and uh, heads over to Tyra's. Asks for a place to stay. She gives him 48 hours, and she also confronts him about not sleeping with her sister. Yeah, but really, you probably wouldn't want to sleep with her. <laughs> She's just not the classiest person in the world. No. Um, and she looks like she's had a rough night more than once. Right, right. So it is interesting. You see you see Tim there. And then he, he doesn't make a move on Tyra. He just says, fine, we never. But he also doesn't appear like he wants to try that hard to find another place to sleep until she literally pours water on his face and says, hey, <laughs> go find another place. You've got like half a day or a day left let's go so i like that he mentioned landry though i, I don't remember what he said like have you seen landry in a bit or something like that just something quick and snide yeah something like have you seen landry lately or something like that so yeah just kind of like i know that something went down with you too like you broke up or you're together for some reason like i don't understand <laughs> right well uh, um, her sister, uh, she, uh, she gives Tim the name of a guy who he can stay with. He goes over, knocks on the door. The guy appears a bit secretive. Maybe this doesn't appear like he's the um, best person to hang out with already. <laughs> but 
Yeah, his ferrets are going to eat your face in the middle of the night. Yeah, (laughs) but Tim accepts the offer to stay and goes inside. Um, Let's see, what else? There's some other people. Oh, um, Matt Saracen. So uh, Matt goes to get a new car, takes his new girlfriend along, I guess, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she appears to be very knowledgeable about cars. Appears like she works on cars. Um, it's just like a male fantasy thing, you know, like hot cheer, hot cheerleader, but she also can climb underneath a car and and change the oil. (laughs) I guess I want, I knew this girl in high school once where that was her like pride and joy. Like I can be feminine and I work on cars. And that was everything she boasted about herself was just that. And I never understood like, is that a guy thing? Like, I don't understand the fantasy it, here. It is. It is. I think it's a it's a guy thing because uh, you kind of have the best of both worlds in a way. It's guys. There's a lot of guys secretly like tomboys, you know. Um, in that, especially if they're they like to to, I guess, dress up and and be girl. You know, be like really pretty and all that, but would want to go outside and play football or something like it's that combination. So of, they want a pretty girl that can be a dirty girl. <laughs> yes. There you go. Basically <laughs> that that's what it comes down to. Yes. So got it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so this girl appears like she's quite knowledgeable, helps get Matt a new car and he goes home and uh, grandma gets a ride in the new car. And so does Carlota who I think, who is uh, going along for the ride. Yeah, I love seeing Grandma anytime. <laughs> she's just like, every time I see her, I light up. She's so <laughs> sweet. So, yeah. But, oh, Carlotta, like, it's another one of those Cri- situations that I just cringe, yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote <sighs> down uh, the fact that uh, Carlotta has not warmed on me yet. And I think it. No, yeah, we don't know anything about it's her. It's like either. Santiago. Right now, we don't we don't have enough information on her character. We don't know anything about her. Um, very very little information. And this is if I was going to give a criticism so far at this point in the season, it's that I I wonder if they've tried to introduce too many new characters when they still have to deal with the characters they already have, because it feels like they don't have enough time to devote to the new characters early on when they're first introduced to give them enough information and details about them uh, so that we can actually care about them. If they wanted to take a few episodes off from some of these characters after they've been introduced and after we've gotten to know them, that's fine. But I feel like instead of piecing piecing out this information little by little, um, over the course of a few episodes, they should have just given us more episodes that are centered on their characters so that we have some reason to want to see them more as the season has gone on. Yeah, like the way they are now, I just forget about them until they come on the screen. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're still here. Like, when are you going to disappear? <laughs> right. Because like so many characters have disappeared. Well, it's like Jackie, you know, same thing. Yeah. You know, she's... And Waverly. 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 Where, where is Waverly at? I don't even know where she's at. And Jason's girlfriend. She's poofed. Precisely. And now Smash has got this new girl 
who has shown up out of nowhere. Um, apparently, she's the sister of a former uh, football player, high school football player, who has been recruited to this college. And you can already see she's she's already throwing her two cents around, and she's kind of latched on to Smash. And he's like telling his mom, like, "Oh, it's not like that. There's nothing, you know." But it, nah, come on, <laughs> you know. I mean, she's an yeah. she's an attractive she's an attractive girl, and Smash has, uh, he has no impulse control <laughs> when it comes no, to the opposite. No, whatsoever. when it comes to the opposite sex, he's all about taking the opportunities when they present themselves. Put it that way. He definitely runs on the id part of his brain, just impulse. Yes. Now we've seen him be very sweet with Waverly. You know that that scene uh, late in the episode or the, late in the season, uh, in season one, where he was invited to go out with these girls, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm going to go home." And then he went and visited Waverly, and it was very sweet. We saw him reject that a little bit, but. That wasn't going to last, and, and we haven't seen Waverly in some time. The only thing we can infer is that she has been getting treatment or something. Yeah, we're falling off the face of the earth. Who the hell knows? that, but like you said, other characters have done that already. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, let me think here. Is there anything else, any other uh, storylines or characters we should be talking about? Uh, Matt kisses Carlotta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what the hell is so that she, about? <laughs> so she helps him with his dance moves because he's got a dance in this pantherama thing, and so she helps him loosen up and and all that. And it, you know, fine, it's a nice scene. You know, we get to see Matt try to loosen up and dance, which is kind of funny, but you know, whatever. Um, so she does just that. He goes out, does his uh dance thing in the pantherama. He goes out to the parking lot, and she's going to take his grandma home. He's going to stay behind, help clean up. And she says something like, you know, you... you, you See you back home Yeah, you, you did. You danced very well. Or he's like, thanks to you. And then he just, just <sighs> goes in and kisses her. Like, like, no invitation or nothing. I mean, this is not like Matt from season one never would have done that because he would never had the confidence to do it. But now he's like, just goes in and kisses her. So, I mean, this is a guy, this is Matt that he's now got two girls he's going after at the same time. Like, Matt season one would be the guy that, after he gets kissed, would write you, like, a five-page thank you letter. Like, <laughs> that was the Matt, and now he's just kind of being a player and turning into, like, this Tim Riggins mini-clone. Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know, he broke up with Julia, or got broken up with, and he's, you know, he's he's now testing the waters i guess which is fine but you know you would think that he's already got a new girl that he seems to be you know attracted to but at the same time this this you know hot latina nurse is has been you know living with them for 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 a few months now so uh i can see why you would be attracted to her but at the same time i wouldn't just dive in for a kiss without you know, getting any kind of signal that she wants or that she's receptive in any way. Apparently she is. <laughs> Apparently she is because even though things were a bit awkward in the morning, you know, she brought the food to the table and she put her hand on his shoulder. Like, you know, like, I don't know. It was almost like, uh, hey, what you did was fine or something, you know? 
<laughs> now eat the food I poisoned. <laughs> yeah, don't do it again. Well, you won't do it again because you'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be in that bathroom for a long time. <laughs> uh, oh, and the last thing we should talk about is Santiago being adopted or whatever by Buddy. How unfortunate for Santiago. <laughs> <laughs> right of all the people to take him in mm, well poor Santiago yeah. well I guess there aren't that many options so Buddy's Buddy's the guy to do it and, and at least credit him with being enthusiastic about doing it you know and I don't think it's yeah he is stepping and I don't up. think it's primarily because of Santiago and the football team because everyone knows that he's he's young he doesn't he has never played football so he's just a He's a work in progress as a football player. So it's not about him going out in the field and doing anything particularly special. I think it is legitimately legitimately more about giving Santiago a chance to have a better life. So Yeah, I agree too. Yeah. It's just <laughs> Buddy Garrity's not the guy to look up to. Uh yeah, well that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Tammy's checking around his apartment and looking through the fridge. Like, ah, I see a lot of steak. Not vegetables, but steak. <laughs> Buy some vegetables. Um, Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much it as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we, we had Eric. You know, he was put on the back burner in this episode. He, he more or less was around to just talk to the football players and give them advice about recruiting and, and all of that. But, um, you know, beyond the few pearls of wisdom he, he threw out there to either smash or smash or his mother or whatever, uh, he was basically in the background, which was fine. There was other characters that needed a lot more, uh, a lot more, uh, character work this episode. And so he kind of didn't have a lot to do, but it's all right. Um, all right. Did we see the woman, the soccer coach, that said she'd be, you know, up his butt every hour he works and stuff like that? I don't think we saw her this episode. No, but Julie wrote that article alluding to, you know, where does where does this money go? So I feel like even though she wasn't in the episode, we still saw we were reminded at least about her from the article that was written. That she's still there. Yeah. Um gotcha. I think that's pretty much everything that I can think of. So, uh, what? How would you rate this episode? Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's a C plus for me. Wow, okay. Like, oh, I just did not like it at all. It's more cringe than good. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I did like some stuff, but it's just watered down with bad, forced plots and characters that we aren't connected to so yeah it's a c plus for me okay all right uh for me i'm gonna have to give it a a b minus it's not that much better than the c plus uh <laughs> i do think it did have some merit i do agree however there were a lot of cringeworthy moments in this episode stuff that felt contrived hastily written um not not given the kind of Friday Night Lights treatment that we all come to expect on an episode-by-episode -episode basis. There were just a lot of clunky plot uh, developments, uh, whether it's just clunky in their creation or clunky in their, uh, you know, um, within the episode itself. 
it just didn't feel natural. It's not the kind of um, organic writing that we normally associate with Friday Night Lights, where we yeah. we, we can see what they're doing, but it's been um, it's been well done, uh, well written, um, subtly. You know, a lot of subtle things weaved throughout the episode. This wasn't subtle. This was kind of bashed over the head quite a bit. So. Definitely, and I think that's kind of why this isn't very, you know, it's not, it's still better than a lot of other TV shows out there, uh, but still, for a Friday Night Lights episode, this is among its worst so far, so I definitely have to give this a B minus. Yeah, definitely agree. It's just not one of the stronger episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess there really isn't a whole lot uh, else for us to talk about when it comes to this episode. Let's just hope the next episode is better. You know, yeah we've currently got uh all right well i think that's it for this week i uh, i don't think there's anything else that uh we could talk about i guess the only thing is how can they reach us if they want to uh, rate us on itunes or if they want to send us some feedback so if you guys want to send us feedback, you know, either an email or a voicemail, you can send it to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. Uh, if you want, you can check us out on Twitter at freakgeeksmedia or us individually. He's at Michael underscore Lanik. I'm at Labyrinth Rose. Uh, if you'd like to go onto iTunes and give us, you know, a comment and a rating, it'd be much appreciated. You know, it helps us get seen and, you know, more people to find us. Um, we also have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash freaking geeks where we have other content and, you know, subscriber levels and bonus goodies and whatnot. So yeah, give us a check out. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we're in the podcast as we always do. So Friday or yeah, <laughs> I guess that didn't work out too well. Wow. Way to screw up already. <laughs> yes. I'm, uh, I'm really firing on all cylinders. Uh, okay. Uh, clear eyes. Can't lose. Can't lose. All right, everyone. Have a good night, everyone. Have a good one. (laughs) Bye. Bye.